When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it didn't take long. It did not take long to fill those huge shoes left in Tuscaloosa, Alabama by the departure and retirement of Nick Saban. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons hanging out with you tonight on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian, of course, presented by your friends at Progressive Insurance. Ian Fitzsimmons, he spent some time in Tuscaloosa. A lot more time than most college students because it took you like seven years to graduate college. Six and a half. Six and a half. Uh, so you're very close to that university, or certainly you once were close to that program. We all know what Nick Saban has meant to that program, but it will be Kalen DeBoer, 49 years old, the former Washington head coach. He wins a Pac-12 championship. Now he's going to be on his way trying to win SEC championships, trying to win national championships. Traditionally, a little harder to get those than it's been to get Pac-12s. Yeah, but you know what? The Pac-12 this year was the deepest and, and toughest conference in college football. And he ended up, you know, again, a, 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 it was a one-score game with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter in the national championship. It's 20-13. to 13. And he's right there. And then, you know, that, that phantom holding call with 11 minutes to go in the game uh, on, on his right tackle, Rosengardner, which is a phantom hold which when Penix hits Roma Dunze up the right boundary for a massive chunk explosive gain to the Michigan 35-yard line, gets called back, who knows what happens. As Sean McDonough and Greg McElroy said on our call here on ESPN Radio, we may have just been robbed of an instant classic. Forget the final score. That's a one-score game going into the last 10 minutes of the national championship game. Kalen DeBoer in his career as a head coach, is 104-12. and 12. He's had 11 win se- seven 11 win seasons in nine years, 5-0 and against Dan Lanning and Steve Sarkeesian, a trip to the Natty in year two, no, ap- absolutely zero issues off the field. The man just wins games. And when you're around him, Amber, and we've had the pleasure and privilege of getting to know him the last year and a half, as, as our ESPN radio crew had him six times, six times, going back to the Alamo Bowl last year. He has this remarkably infectious attitude of, come on, man, let's just go play ball. I mean, he is intense when you have to be intense, but he is so calm when you need a calming factor. So everyone says, is it a fit? And, you know, does it win the presser? I don't care about winning a presser. And you know what fits, Amber? Winning, winning fits. Jim Tressel, when he was hired in 2001 to be the head coach at Ohio State, didn't win a press conference. Ohio State fans were livid that it wasn't John Gruden or Mike Bellotti, right, back then. It was it, the head coach of Youngstown State is taking over for Ohio State? Are you kidding? You know what happened in year two? That's what wins a presser. He won a natty, right? So... It doesn't matter in the moment uh, as far as the name, the brand, winning a press conference. It's about winning games. You know what Kalen DeBoer does? He wins games. 
He certainly does that. He does that at every level, a level in every stop that he's been at. He started his head coaching career at his alma mater, Sioux Falls. 67 wins over five seasons with three NAIA national championships there from 2005 to 2009. Then he moves on to D1. As an assistant, he has stops at Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Fresno State, and Indiana. Then he's hired as Fresno State. Uh, to coach prior to that 2020 season before then he ends up landing at Washington, of course, ahead of the 2022 season. He goes on to win the Pac-12. The record overall is unbelievable. And now he's going to be trying to get it done at Alabama, which is a whole different ballgame. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. If you want to chime in about DeBoer trying to fill the shoes of Saban at Alabama, ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Now, Ian mentioned that he's gotten to spend a lot of time with Kalen DeBoer this season, particularly with how good those Washington Huskies were all season long. Here was the head coach of Washington before becoming the head coach of Alabama with my co-host Ian Fitzsimmons on how he stays so calm all of the time. Some of it may be just who you are and your personality and just, but I think a lot of it has to do with the experiences you've been through. Um, and then the understanding of, of how it went well and how it didn't over all those years. Uh, and then just trusting the people around you and just continue to stay uh, level headed, stay consistent and just communicate. You know, and I got a staff that, you know, we just stay the course. And I think that trickles uh, down to our players and they just stay the course. And that confidence that, you know, if we just keep coaching them up, we refer to it kind of with a fighter's mentality. Just keep swinging, you know, just keep punching. Have no regrets when it's all said and done because you haven't harped on the things that you would have, could have, should have earlier in the game. Just focus on the future. I mean, that's that's all you have to do and just stay stay the course. Amber, he, he is a, a- a remarkably intense human being that does not like to lose a coin toss. But in the moment, I have never been around a coach in all my years of covering college and pro football as a sideline analyst and reporter. That it's a true story. Hell, we can go back and pull the audio. I mean, third quarter or at Oregon State in a monsoon, 38 degrees. I mean, it's miserable down there. Top 20 matchup. It's a one-score game. And it's that end of third quarter interview where you walk up to the head coach, right? You're in the middle of their bench. He puts his arm around me and goes, what do you got for me, Fitz? I'm like, what? Dude, you, you got a Pac-12 title, a national, a college football playoff berth on the line, and you're putting your arm around me going, what do you got for me? And I went, dude, you're calmer than I am. He goes, this is why we play the game. This is why we love this game. This is why we coach the game. This is why we play it, man. So let's just go make a stop, get out of here. Go, go get the, the, that first first down, win the next play, and then if you win that next play, then win the next one. And if you win the next one, guess what? We win the game. This is why we love football. And he slapped me on the butt and walked away. I mean, who does that in that moment? That's that calming factor, yet also a balance of intensity. That's Kalen DeBoer to a core. I mean, he, it, it is Amber. I've never been around a guy. It's two dudes that I got to know the last year and a half that in all my journeys, I mean, I, I truly embrace this new relationship and that is Dan Lanning at Oregon, 
who is a bad dude. I mean, watch out for Dan Lanning. And then Kalen DeBoer. These two guys are just people. Per, I mean, they 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 embrace, they, they treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, when they got to jump your butt and get intense, get the hell out of their way. And that's a fine balance in this day and age of modern football that you have to have, and they've got it. Well, Bama took their shot at both of those guys, uh, reportedly, anyways. They only landed one of those guys. Kalen DeBoer, he seems to have wanted the job. You and I talked about how hard it was going to be to be the guy that comes after the guy. Great point. If you're a Crimson Tide fan and you went there, but you're not, I wouldn't describe you, correct me if I'm wrong, I wouldn't describe uh, you as diehard uh, anymore because of what you do here for a living. So you know everybody you. across I mean, the yeah, entire yeah, world yeah, of college. Yeah. You get diluted. You soften right? a little bit. You, you soften you, a little bit. You when pull you, for when people you're in this more business. than teams, right? Yeah. 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 It, it softens you a little bit. I mean, I, I th- I'm still, you know, I still pull for the Gators through and through, but it's a little different relationship with my alma mater than it was certainly uh, when I was younger, just from all the years working here. But for you, you went there. If you are a diehard, though, right? If you haven't been in this business for all these decades, getting to know everybody across college football, and you are a diehard, and, and there are plenty of those that eat, they breathe it, and they live it. I don't think that there's a single name that you could have put coming into Alabama that would get the Crimson Tide fan that excited. There's just nobody. Because you already had the greatest. And if you already had the greatest of all time, then where do you go from here? Now, I do think... That if you're a Crimson Tide fan, you probably feel okay about this. You know, it, it, it's a coach on the cup. The record speaks for itself. The success speaks for itself. You probably do feel good about that. You feel good about the age if it doesn't work out, all of that. But there's only so good you're ever going to feel when you're coming off of Nick Saban announcing his retirement. Amber, that's an outstanding point, and I think you put it perfectly. And it, it, it's you're, you're not replacing that guy. You and I talked about this last night. You don't want to be Ron Zook. You don't want to be the guy to follow the guy, right? Well, and Nick Saban is going to have an office at Bryant-Denny Stadium. He won't be in the Mount Moore complex where that's where the football facility is and the weight room and it's connected to you know the indoor practice facility. You know, Nick Saban will have an office over at Bryant-Denny Stadium, but he's still going to be there. And that's a conversation that if I'm Kalen DeBoer, I, I would have had with Nick Saban going, hey, man, I don't need you – you know, hanging over me. This is now right. my show, right? But if you're in That's Alabama, difficult. Like it, you mentioned, no you mentioned Florida there, Steve Spurrier, but he wasn't Still there. You know, when Zook comes in, right now, Steve Spurrier has an office there now as an advisor, but it's years later. Obviously, South Carolina pros, everything in between. Urban Meyer tried to do that when he stepped down from Florida, and he was still there in the building. And then that was weird, right before he went to Ohio State. It's always a little weird when they're hanging I w- around. I would think so Saban needs to do what's best for the program here too. And, and knowing Saban Kalen a little bit, over. I think that he would be hands off, understanding that if he were to Kalen, right, he knows how he would handle it. And that is, man, this is my program now, right? Back off. When I need yeah. you, I promise you, I'm coming, right. But if if I'm if I'm Kalen, I'm also telling, I'm asking Saban, tell the boosters, back off. This is my mm-hmm. program. Just to, as as you did when you came in, I think DeBoer also has to have that kind of attitude. But, I mean, I'm telling you, it, 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 I think it's a home run hire by Bama, and it shows you the confidence of Kalen DeBoer to be, say, to be one of those guys to go, you know what, give me those resources, and 
I'm, oh, I'm, I am beyond fine. As a matter of fact, I'm going to embrace following the legend. If I'm Kalen, I'm saying, Nick, go enjoy your house in Georgia, your other <laughs> house in Florida. Go enjoy some vacation time, okay? I'll call don't you worry about your office when I need any. your advice. Yeah, <laughs> you don't come to me. I come to you, and I'll come to you because at some point – what you might as well use that resource and get some advice, but let I'm going to come to you. You're not coming to me because this is my show over here and I'm doing things my way. DeBoer's buyout to leave Washington stands at $12 million. That's just what they're going to pay to get him out of Washington. Okay, so <clears throat> you can imagine what it looks like down there at Alabama and the resources, like Ian just mentioned. That has everything to do with why Kalen DeBoer is headed to the Crimson Tide. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Alabama, they have their new head coach. So do the New England Patriots. We will get into the new head coach of the Pats next here on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Normally, there would be a long wait after a legend leaves a football team. We saw it at the collegiate level. Didn't take much time to replace Nick Saban. Alabama was on it. We also saw it at the professional level as well in New England. Didn't take the Patriots any time to figure out what to do as Bill Belichick is moving on from New England. Gerard Mayo is his successor in New England, the 15th head coach in franchise history. The team announced the 37-year-old coach will take over that team today. Ian, this one came quick because apparently the Patriots had already filed the paperwork with the league that he was going to be the successor. So they didn't have to even go through the interview process. This was already, this was already established. This was established before the season. Now were things sped up because of the way that the season went? Was he always going to be the successor after the next season? I don't know the answer to that, but Gerard Mayo appears to have always been the Patriots plan anyways. Yeah. And and this is some Albert Breer. When we talked to uh, Albert Breer, you know, for, you know, is as connected to every NFL team as there is. I mean, MMQB.com, SportsIllustrated.com. Breer joined us on Tuesday, and he mentioned that you know, everyone's talking about Mike Vrabel. Well, he, he believed it was Mayo that was already damn near in place, and Vrabel might be in play with the Raiders. We'll touch on that coming up in a bit. If Vrabel wants that gig, right, or if, they're, if the Raiders don't stay with their interim head coach, Antonio Pierce, but you look at Gerard Mayo. I mean, he's he's been 
Yeah, he was a star at Tennessee. That's why I remember first seeing him covering college football. I mean, going back to like 05, 06, he, I mean, just a monster. That long ago. Does that make you feel old, by the way? Because Gerard Mayo makes me feel old. And I'm not that much older than Gerard Mayo. But it's one thing, right. one of the... One of the things that has rocked my world covering sports that I didn't think about when I dreamed of getting into this thing you is remember, that at some point here that you get a lot older than the athletes that you're covering, right? And, all, and, and then they seem like kids to you, and then you feel old all the time. But when you start getting older than the coaches, that's like a real you remember awakening of where you are in life. Watching Mayo wreak havoc on your Florida Gators, right? And that, in one of the yes. great rivalries, Tennessee and Florida. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I get it. And it, it, it doesn't seem long ago. And by the way, it was after I was in college. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean again, you're going like, you know, I think he, it was like 06, 07 when he was just yeah. dominating, you know, as a linebacker at right Tennessee. Heck, I ran into to D'Amico Ryans at the national championship on the sideline, head coach of the, of the Houston Texans. I covered him as a player at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so to your point, yeah, it's now. like, damn. By the way, Meek looks like he can still play. I mean, so he's, oh, a, he a, does. A, my gosh. But anyway, Mayo. He could get out there. But that's what, and that's it, part it of the feels beauty like, of it. I think yeah. it's part of why these guys relate to these young coaches and why these former co- you know, former play feels like a simple concept. Bring in dudes who actually played in the league to coach the guys who play in the league. But it's, it's a novel concept across the landscape of the NFL, frankly. A 37-year-old Gerard Mayo is the youngest coach, by the way, in the NFL. Yeah, and, and you, you watch the way he interacts. I had them week one against the Jets, and you, well, you're watching him behind the bench. Uh, he is a player's coach, but when he has to not be a player's coach and jump your butt, man, will he do it. Almost like he he did that as a player. Go back to when he was at Tennessee. Go back to when he was a Pro Bowl linebacker, you know, and winning Super Bowls, you know, with, with the Patriots. I mean, he was that coach on the field. You talk to anybody who was one of his teammates on on that defense. He was a leader of men on the field. Now, he didn't have the longest career. I mean, I'm I'm going off the top of my head here, like seven, eight years, right? It wasn't like he he spent 12 years going sideline to sideline. Injuries kind of got him. But his mind, my gosh, it is next level. So, to your point, it does not feel like it was in place. And this feels like Belichick already had told, you know, Robert and Jonathan Kraft, this is your guy. He's already here. He's been being groomed as a linebackers coach and assistant head coach, right? Here's your guy. A lot like, there's no doubt in my mind with Kalen DeBoer and Nick Saban. You don't think Nick Saban had a, a massive say with Greg Byrne as to who's going to be his successor? Hell yeah, he did. Absolutely he did. He probably did, but I don't. But oh, Kalen no. DeBoer wasn't. It doesn't seem like, anyways. They all. Caleb they DeBoer all talk. Was the one I'm, that I'm, they pointed their finger I'm at the whole you, way, the maybe, whole time. Maybe maybe it was landing it first. It seems like there were several stops along the way well, before we got to Kalen DeBoer there. I, I wouldn't say several. I, I would, this is I mean, a little different. This is a little. Oh, different. it is. It is. But I'm using it as an example. Like the Patriots. Uh, they pointed at Gerard. Yeah, and no, they were uh, like, "This is our guy," because he quite literally was their guy as well. I mean, yeah. he spent his entire playing career in New England. I'm using you know the Saban part as, as an example also. Like I mean, Dan Landing was a GA at Alabama, right? Maybe that was number one. Right. But there was a, a list of two or three names that you damn sure know that Nick Saban had given Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama. There was a list 
of, you know, maybe two names, right, that Bill Belichick had given Robert and Jonathan Kraft. I'm sure Vrabel was on it, right? But mm-hmm. Gerard Mayo, it, it feels like, was already in place. The moment that, you know, it was done, Belichick was finished, Gerard Mayo is now the next head coach. And now we have two guys following the man. Because we've, we've said it a million times. You never want to be the guy to follow the guy. Well, Mayo, I think, is in a, is in a better spot than DeBoer following Saban. Saban's one play away from possibly being in another national championship game. The Patriots, Amber, have had two awful seasons. That, to me, is a better spot for Mayo to come in and replace one of the greatest, if not the greatest, to ever do in the NFL. It's much easier to take over after losing seasons than it is to take over off after an SEC championship and a college football playoff appearance because that's where the standard still is in New England. Standards slightly different. Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter, was on Unsportsmanlike. He said this Mayo deal has been in the works for a long time. This is something that the Patriots had as a succession plan going back to last year. They identified Gerard Mayo as the person they wanted to ultimately succeed Bill Belichick. Whenever that time came, obviously that time came this offseason, this week. Uh, why? His leadership, they know him well from him having played for the Patriots from 2008 to 2015. They believe he's a special developer of young individuals. And between that, his knowledge of the game, they feel he's the right coach for this moment. There you go. So he is now the coach and the successor. He spent his entire playing career with New England, 103 games. He appeared in 905 total tackles. He led the team in tackles each of his first five seasons. Now he will try to lead them as head coach. A head coach for Florida State got an extension. He's staying at FSU. Let's talk to the athletic director coming up next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Norvell is staying at Florida State. Eight years, $10 million annually. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's bring in the man who helped ink that deal, Florida State Athletic Director Mike Alford joining us here. And Mike, thanks so much for your time. Let's start with this, though. Nick Saban retires. Obviously, there was a huge vacancy there at Alabama. Your head coach's name was one of those tossed around in terms of that search. What was the first thing as an athletic director that goes through your mind when you hear Nick Saban's retiring? Well, I haven't been at Alabama when we hired Coach Saban. You know, I have all the respect in the world for him, what he was able to accomplish 
and and the standard that he that he lives his life and who he is uh, in this program and in this industry. And it, it just a ton of respect for him. When I saw he retired, one I, I couldn't believe it uh, because I know that man's work ethic, and and I, I'm anxious to see what he does outside of football because I wouldn't want to be his yard guy or anyone that uh, he's at home all the time uh, dealing with. But, you know, when you see that retired, when he retired, you knew the, the domino effects. I, I do. I had one of the, the great um, young coaches in this industry, and uh, I figured there there would be some – he would be in play with this. So immediately we went to work and, and just started having conversations and uh, monitoring the, the climate and the culture and – and what was going on in the marketplace and just uh, started those conversations to make sure that we were on the forefront and ahead of this, even before he came and told me he had been contacted, you know, that we already had a plan in place and uh, able to sit down and work it out and, um, and got to where we are. And we're very satisfied and happy that he's going to be a Seminole for a long time. So take us behind the scenes there, Mike, now that, that you did lock him up, to, as Amber referenced to, eight years and north of $10 million per, um, when he came to you saying, hey, I, you know, I've been contacted by Alabama, what was that conversation like? Uh, you know, I congratulated him. Uh, you know, there's, there's only Florida State's an elite program. And, you know, when you, when you look at um, other programs, there's only a few that uh, compare to this one. And Alabama is in that in that group, and so you know he was flattered. I was flattered for him. I told him congratulations, how how much he deserved it. But then I went to work on on making sure that our commitment, which always has been, is for him, and more importantly, the commitment we've made to the program to not only get it back to an elite level, but to keep it at an elite level. You know, we're doing $450 million in renovations right now uh, going on in our facilities, and, we, and we've taken care of his staff. It just gave them another increase in the staff uh, bonus pool. And now it was, let's look at you. And uh, we've done the facilities. We've done what we need to do operationally. We've done what we need to do to take care of the staff. And being Mike, who he is, you know, he was last. And I said, let's make sure – that we that you're here for a long time. We want you here. You're a great representative of not only this university, this program, um, the culture you build is something that uh, we have at this university and this program is a perfect fit. And we want to make sure that this partnership is here for a long time. And that's what's special between the relationship he and I have is that it is open communication. It is open dialogue. You know, we talk a couple times a day uh, and we actually live five houses down from each other. So it's, you know, it's just great communication and it's a true partnership that we have with our president as well, who's fully supportive, our board chair, Peter Collins, the board of trustees. They're all supportive on what we need to do to be an elite program across all of our sports. I know we're talking football right now, but just across all of our sports, whether it's national championship winning soccer program, softball, what we're doing in baseball with Link Jarrett, you name it. Um, it's just across the board, uh, making sure we're doing the right things to put Florida State in the right um, um, place that where they can win championships. And we owe that to our student athletes and to our fan base. 
Mike Alford, athletic director of Florida State, joining us here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. They lock up their head coach, Mike Norvell, in football uh, for an eight-year contract north of $10 million. Kalen DeBoer, now the new head coach at, at Alabama. And, I mean, it, it's, it's chaos right now around college athletics. And we'll get your thoughts on the state of college athletics in a moment. But we do want to commend you on your tweet earlier today when you locked up Mike Norvell earlier this afternoon, and it was like it was the, it was the Pope. You sent out the smoke tweet, right? The gray smoke. Like, sorry, folks, uh, he ain't going anywhere. Stay right here. Was that you? Was that Doug Walker? Because that was creative as hell, Mike. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, you got to have fun in these situations, and uh, there's a lot of stress, a lot of a lot of um, conversations going on. And uh, when when Coach and I were able to look each other in the eye and say, you know, we're, we're on the same page, uh, which we always end up there uh, between the two of us, it, it was time to just put a little light in the situation because these jobs are too stressful not to, one, poke fun at yourself, or two, have a little fun when you can. And uh, so, and Ashley talked to the coach and said, hey, I'm going to tweet this out. He goes, I love it. Um, you know we got to have a little fun and uh it it was time just to to shed some light and one you'd be creative to inform our fan base that that we're fine and people don't need to worry about coaching referral and our relationship or his his admiration for florida state university that he was going to be here a long time at Seminole Alford on X, uh, formerly known <laughs> as Twitter. If you, if you want to find uh, that sort of humor, Mike Alford, Florida State Athletic Director, joining us here on Amber and Ian. So you mentioned your job is a bit stressful <laughs> as an athletic director of a major university. Yesterday was probably one of those days before we got the Mike Norvell news. Mike, we got the news of the infractions from your university. The NCAA Division I Committee on Infractions announced a negotiated resolution with your university for an infractions case that involved an assistant football coach. Tell us about how you reached that resolution. And do you feel, I I know fans are going to feel a bit targeted in this landscape where it feels like everybody across college football is doing some of the things that were alleged here. Yeah. I mean, we cooperated uh, completely with the NCAA and it was a negotiated resolution. Um, I'm very proud of what we do in our compliance department and how we value compliance. And I want to point out they found no lack of institutional control or failure to monitor any of our programs. And uh, the NCAA affirmed that, that Coach Norvell, the head coach, promotes an atmosphere of compliance. So everything when they came in and did their investigation was fine um, on how we're conducting our internal business. Unfortunately, they found an incident where, where someone uh, – made a mistake and drove uh, a recruit to a meeting. Um, and I'll leave it as that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate it happened. Uh, but I, I do fully support our department and what we're doing. And, and I guess now the bar is set for the next one, um, for what the penalty should be for, for driving someone to a meeting without having a conversation with them. So we'll look forward to glad it's behind us. Look forward to moving forward now uh, with our program. Mike, do you feel like you were targeted? Because every damn school in America has an NIL collective that is doing things like this. Heck, there's video of a Texas A&M staffer talking about to recruits about. It. You see all the money behind these suites? It's going in your pockets. That happened last year. How much do you feel like you were targeted by the by the NCAA? Well, I, I don't know about targeted. I, Ian, you're trying to get me in trouble. 
Um, but, uh, <laughs> but you know what I, you know I, what I, I mean, will, right? I mean, it's going on everywhere. I, I I understand, and the stories that I hear that are going on, the tampering, the tampering I hear that's even going on with the um, people reaching out to our program, and I talk to other ads, other head coaches across the country. They're dear friends, and you know, it's just something we got to get fixed um, because it has gotten out of control. Unfortunately, we presented um, with the Lead One Athletic Directors Association. You know, I, in 2019, went to Indianapolis and presented solutions as an association before the NIL came into place about fair market value and measuring, about making sure that we have registered agents and putting up guardrails, basically took the NFLPA and collegialized it a little bit. And, and and had a solution to before this came into play. Um, unfortunately, they, it didn't take uh, there, and we we are at the wild west where we are. And the, if the stories that are out there and that I see, I mean, it's unfortunate we are where we are as an as an industry, and it's something we got to get fixed. I'm in Washington D.C. often. I actually was on the phone with Gus Bilarakis earlier today, just about. How do we fix this? He's got a couple of resolutions he's um, working at in D.C. with Senator Booker and Bluthenthal and trying to find the solutions. Uh, Senator Rubio is very involved in this. And working with them to just come up with some guardrails and guidelines that that can help, and we need that. Uh, unfortunately, we need Washington, D.C. to step in and help us. It is the wild, wild west out there right now in the landscape of college football. Mike, Mike Alford, Florida State Athletic Director, joining us here on Amber and Ian. All right, I'm going to ask you another question, Mike, that you're probably not going to fully answer either. Uh, but I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I am curious. Of course, we got the news <laughs> back Thank in you, December. Amber. You're not like yes. Ian. <laughs> All right. I'm not trying to walk you down this path, but I got to <laughs> ask this question. We got the news that Florida State had, had voted to sue the ACC uh, in December to try to get out of the grant of rights deal. What, what is happening with that? What is the next step? Can you speak on that at all? Well, I can't really speak on it because it is in the courts. And, uh, but I will say, you know, we have a close relationship uh, with the ACC, with, you know, a lot of highly respected, admirable institutions uh, within there. And uh, Ian Amber, you, uh, y'all both know me. I have a very close relationship with Commissioner Phillips and all the admiration for him in the world. But, you know, for us looking five or ten years down the road and trying to figure out and being prepared where we think the state of collegiate athletics is heading, um, we need to be prepared. And to be prepared, we need to know what all of our options are. So that's really, really what we're looking at. We just want to know what the options moving forward are. And that's that's where we are as an institution. That's where we are as a department. Um, he has known me for many, many years. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about next month or next year. I'm trying to forecast the future and making sure the decisions we're making now prepare us and to put Florida State in the best light and best opportunity to be successful then and uh, way down the road. So we're, we're just asking questions, and I can't shed more on it than that. Um, but we do want, want to look at what the grant of rights actually means and move forward from there so we can make informed decisions about the future of our landscape and collegiate athletics moving forward. 
Mike, two decades in, and you notice that uh, we, I, we, I let the attorney on this show, Amber is an attorney, ask the attorney question, right? So. I, I softened the blow a little bit there for him, setting it up there. Uh, now, now the question is, Amber, did I avoid it in the right way? Yes, you, you did. A, you did an excellent job sidestepping the heck out of it, Mike. I do appreciate that. That is an art. You do have your head coach locked up, though. That is what matters Congratulations, here. Man. Eight years, ten million annually for Mike Norvell, Mike Alford, the Florida State athletic director. He got that deal done. Seminole fans, thanks for joining us, Mike. No, thank you, guys. Appreciate all you do to promote uh, the great industry that we get to work in and go knows. That's our pleasure, man. That's a, and, and again, you could leave the lawyer question to you, Amber, right, at right. the end. Well, and and we had to ask it, and Absolutely. he had to sidestep it, and it, it's it's how it goes, right? It's what makes the world uh, go round and round. If he didn't sidestep it, I would have been frankly disappointed in him, <laughs> the lawyer in me, right? You got to. But we would have loved that. it as far as a newsmaker. There we go. But for us, yes, <laughs> sitting over here, pseudo journalists. We ain't journalists, but you know what I mean. Sitting over here, we got to ask that question. Certainly, as part of the media, he's great. Uh, one of the more uncomfortable things for me. This season has been, as a diehard Gator, having to defend Florida State over and over again. Against the college football playoff committee, against the stupid infractions that we found out about yesterday. He was, he's wonderful. On that, he's he was incredibly likable. Yeah. It's just an, it's annoying, these Seminoles. You know, I used to hate this football program. They keep trying to make me defend them and like them. It's very annoying. Coming up next, though, I do hate the Bills right now because they won the division over my Miami Dolphins. They are playing the Steelers this weekend. We are going to tell you why your team, Bills and Steelers fans, won't win the Super Bowl. Why your team won't win the Super Bowl. Oh, no! We suck again! With Amber and Ian. There's a chance we won't win? I love that imaging. <laughs> I've got to hear it. Because I haven't been here. I was out sick earlier this week. When you guys were doing this segment, so I haven't gotten an opportunity yet. You were not out sick. You had the the night off of the national championship, and then you were avoiding James Steele, a Kansas City fan, diehard. You're a fish fan at at Kansas City. You were not here on Tuesday. You weren't here Wednesday. James was off last night because he had to do fine bomb, and then all of a sudden you reappear. Only one of our teams leads the NFL in most offensive categories, and it's not James Steele's Kansas City Chiefs. We will get into that game, though, a little bit later in the show here on Amber and Ian, presented by Progressive. Let's get into this one, though. Why the Bills and the Steelers will not win the Super Bowl in this matchup. and We're not not predicting the game yet, but in this matchup, the Bills are favored by 9.5, Ian, and it's a frozen tundra out there in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, nine and a half right now on ESPN bet, and it's come down from 36 as a total to 33 and a half. Wind gust up to 65 miles per hour during this game. <sighs> Kicking will be optional. Punting will be optional. I mean, hell. Look, Scoring I, I, will be optional. I, I'm going to be, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, bottle water ain't happening, right? I mean, no, yeah. it, it, it will be frozen. I mean, we're talking about feet of snow, not a foot, feet of snow coming in to Ralph Wilson Stadium. So, for me, Pittsburgh, you are not winning the Super Bowl because of everything that I just mentioned and 
you look at Josh Allen and that running game and that offensive line at home, I think it's going to be close, low scoring. I played the under 36 a day, you know, yesterday. It's come down that much a field goal, which is a massive, massive move. If you get the under right now at 33.5, buy it up to 34, I would take it right now. As a matter of fact, bet to your hands bleed. We are 39-22-2 against the number on bet to your hands bleed. Take the under in this game. I'm looking at what, Amber? 17-10? I mean, 10-7? I mean, yeah, it's going to be nasty, and I do mean nasty. I don't, I don't like a side. I do love the under. Uh, yeah, I, it's going to be nasty. The team with that quarterback that can get into the end zone in every way, bulldoze his way into That's the end it. zone, and Josh Allen by just running people over. Uh, that might be a huge advantage in a game that's going to be as difficult to throw in as this one with that wind and that temperature. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't winning the Super Bowl because they're not winning this game. That's the reality of the situation. Najee Harris has been great for them this season. Mason Rudolph has been great the last three weeks. I don't want to take anything away from what Mason Rudolph has done. Mason Rudolph and the Steelers are not actually winning a Super Bowl, though. What are we talking about? When you pull all the stats for the entire season, not completely fair because, of course, we've had different versions of the Steelers team throughout the season, but you know, third down conversions, only 85 of 232. I mean, the stats aren't exactly beautiful stats here from a team perspective. They got into the postseason when we weren't sure they were going to. They got Mike Tomlin, his winning record once again, a winning season once again. It's commendable what they've done here down the stretch, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they're not as good as the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills have gotten right at the right time. Now, I have to tell you, though, why Buffalo's not going to make it to a Super Bowl, not why they are going to make it to a Super Bowl. And if I'm going to tell you why, it would have to be Josh Allen's 18 times he decided to cough up the football, right? That's the weakness for this team. It's also the strength for this Buffalo Bills team is also Josh Allen. And that's the weird thing about the Josh Allen experience. Another aspect of this, the ACC... ACC, the, the AFC, I'm, I'm in college mode right now, right? After talking to Mike uh, Alford, the athletic director of Florida State, the AFC is not as deep as we once thought it was. At the start of the, uh, at the, start of the year, at the right. middle of the season, right? To now, it's not nearly as deep as we thought. And this is a Bills team that was 6-6 six and six and out of the playoffs, and now they're a two-seed? Damn. I'm going to disagree with you. I, I, I think the Bills can win the Super Bowl. But that's not the game. The game is why they won. I know. I know. I can't go there. I have to find I can't go there with them. The Steelers, you ain't winning it. You will not win the Super Bowl because you're getting beaten this weekend. Bills, I I can't make an argument against them right now. I can't. There's got to be an argument against them. This is the team that started 6-6. I mean, it's a very different Bills team that we saw at the end of the season. But they also got a lot of help from the Miami Dolphins collapsing at the end of the season in terms of winning that division. They needed a lot of help from their friends to even get into a postseason. They got it. But that wasn't all about what Buffalo was doing. A lot of that also was about what the other teams, what the Titans were doing, what what the Dolphins were doing, and everybody that they needed help from in order to make a postseason. Josh Allen's coughed up the football a lot, if I had to choose a reason, but that Buffalo team doesn't have to see T.J. Watt in this game. So in this game, it's bye-bye Pittsburgh, not bye-bye us. ESPN Radio rolls on next.